I'm joined now by Gary from OPC Energy. Gary, what a job you did out there today. Oh, it was, it was unbelievable. You saw the customers' faces when that boiler went in. It was a really special moment. And what about the overall performance? Unreal. You, you could really feel the heat out there. I'm delighted with the result and we move on to the next one. Thanks, Gary. Come on! For more information on boiler upgrades, heat pumps and more, visit opc-ltd.uk. Get ahead of the game with OPC Energy. Nissan are giving someone in Glasgow and the West the chance to win a brand new car. Gold Radio. We love Glasgow. Cam Dunbar, Mark Wilson, Gordon Ramsay, Nigella Lawson, Amanda Holden. You have zero If you can identify the superstars, the car could be yours. Register to play at thisisgo.co.uk, then listen to Crofty and Grado at 8.10 tomorrow on Go Radio Breakfast with Macklin Motors Nissan. Book your appointment to discover the new cash kind. The Go Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited. Hosted by Rob McLean, John Hartson and Richard Foster. Call now and voice your opinion. 0808 17 17 700. When is Eddie Howe breaking cover and taking the Celtic job, if indeed he hasn't done so already? Can Celtic recover in quick time to be serious rivals to a Rangers team which was 25 points clear in winning the title? Well, can they? John Hartson. What was that? <laughs> I, love, I, was I, love, no, no, I, I, I was thinking about Eddie Howe. I know. Me I, know. I, I love the way you hang on my every word, John. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to repeat it for your for your benefit. Can Celtic recover from 25 points behind as they've been in this title race? The music's going to run out by the time we get get an answer to this. By the way, you well, realise the, the supporters <laughs> will want a big reaction. Um, a, you know, huge global club Celtic. That's far too many points to lose the league. We've gone over it several times. Rangers had the re- league wrapped up, Rob, around about the November, uh, December time for me. They were 14, yeah. 15 points clear. They were undefeated. They weren't going to lose five or six games in the back end of the season, even though Celtic had opportunities in, in the two league games they had to play to catch up. But it's going to take a big, big job. And that that's my concern. I'd love to hear from the Celtic fans. What is the plan? Can they claw back the title? It's going to take a massive overhaul of players, staff, New manager needed, a lot of work to be done, new chief executive in, in place. Captain has left the club, the inspirational captain who's been Celtic for so many years. Listen, there's a lot of work to be done and I'm concerned now Rangers might just be the team to beat in Glasgow. Can I just say thank you for answering? Thank you. Thank you for listening. <laughs> thank you for attending. Mm. I'm just going to check Richard Foster is attending. Are you hearing me okay over yes, there? Yes, I can hear you perfectly. I was well. actually just going to keep going until the music ran out because I knew it was going to run out in the middle of uh, that answer. Um, are Stephen Gerrard and Rangers? Here's another question. Are Rangers about to do what Celtic have done for the best part of a decade and dominate Scottish football? What is going to happen on the back of that uh, runaway success, Richard, for Rangers this season? Can you see that? Can you see Rangers embarking on a period of dominance now? I think I can, you know, maybe a, a couple of seasons. I don't think it'll be 10. I think um, there'll be uh, wholesale changes at Celtic if that were going to be the case. Even if Celtic don't come back stronger next season, you know, it's going to be, um, there'll be more changes. But I think it, it's very, very strange the way it's been handled, in my opinion. Um, you know, especially because Rangers have been so dominant. You know, like, in my opinion, you want a 
manager in there early right let's have a look at what I've got I can assess the squad I can see what I'm doing because yes people if Eddie Howe is to take over I'm sure he's been fed information but you know you want to see the players with your own eyes you want to see the appetite they've got to play for Celtic and I think that was one of the things that was severely lacking from the Celtic team and you know Rangers had it in spade loads was they, they were willing to work for each other the togetherness and when one player dropped out through injury or suspension someone came in and, and was every bit as good a replacement Whereas with Celtic, we've seen players who actually don't look like they want to be there. Um, some of them, obviously, unfortunately, missed you know James Forrest through injury. Some of them lost form, which happens in football. But I think it was just the, the general kind of malaise around the whole club that just, after the turn of the year, I mean, they, they just showed no reaction and no real appetite to try and catch Rangers at all. And you listen to a lot of the, the Rangers reaction, John, after uh, the title party or as the title party was getting underway uh, on Saturday. Uh, and they want more. You know, that, that for them, they see this as just a first taste in 10 years uh, of triumph. Um, and when you look around the quality of that team and all the player of the season candidates, they're aware how far ahead they were. They want to build on this. They, they want to go higher. They, want, they would want to dominate. Absolutely, and and I, I bet that the feeling is amongst the Rangers fans and the players how, how comfortable they've been this season in doing it. There's not been a challenge from Celtic. You know, there really hasn't been. Um, some of the, the Celtic Rangers games have been fairly close. If Celtic would have been a little bit more clinical in front of goal, they might have got something. But a game is over 90 minutes and you've got to take your chances. Scoring goals is part of the game. Yeah. Making saves is part of the game. Uh Rangers have just they just stole a march early on in the season. And as I as Richard just said there, um you'd think that the next manager, whether it be Eddie Howe, they talk about Eddie Howe is still on gardening leave. Um Bournemouth, Bournemouth are still in the playoffs, aren't they? Bournemouth, at the moment. I, I, I wonder but, if that might be a factor. But Rob Bournemouth are Eddie Howe's former yeah. employers. And I think he was sacked something like two and a half years ago. Now you'd think if it's gonna be Eddie Howe, what Listen, he might be announced tomorrow and I'll have egg on my face for saying this, but what is what can be the hold-up? We keep hearing that there's so much to do at Celtic. Who's deciding what players leave? Who's making the final call? Now, who's, who's, who's going to sign the player? Ultimately, the manager will always have... You can have a director of football. There's not even one of them in place right now. No. But you can have a director of football in place who can recommend players to you, but ultimately... Somebody like Eddie Howe, who's, who's, who's managing the Premier League, you'd expect him to have final say. And, you know, the, the, there is so much work for Celtic to be to do this season, in particular when they want to, they want to claw the league back. You yep, know? yep, absolutely. Other questions to throw at you uh, this Tuesday evening. Uh, how about those horrible scenes in Glasgow on Saturday? after Rangers title win what should happen what should have happened do we have to accept the actions of the mindless minority uh, who's going to be in the Scotland squad named by Stevie Clark tomorrow 26 uh, to be announced uh, 23 available for any match day at the Euros uh, lots of certainties of course in that squad uh, what about some of the debatable ones who are the players that you would like to see in the squad that maybe haven't been in the squad in recent times and of course it's Scottish Cup final week Hibs uh, could add a Scottish Cup win to their third place Premiership finish St Johnston of course uh, Richard Foster one of your old clubs can make it a League Cup and Scottish Cup double one game away 
um, from, well, something incredible for Callum Davidson and his team. Well, I would imagine it's one game away probably from St. Johnson's best ever season. Yeah. I know they've, they've won the Scottish Cup before, but I don't think they've done the double. Couple, you know, that as well as the fact that they've finished um, and qualified for Europe in the league. So overall, it's been an exceptional season. Um, you know, I would imagine it's going to be one for one that's very tough for Callum to replicate. But again, you know, when you've you've got a team like that, you've got good players and you're wanting to build, it's always easier to build a team around success. You know, um, so I think St. Johnson will only get stronger next season. Um, you know, the Cups, whether it's one cup, whether it's both of them, it has been a remarkable achievement. Um, and who's to say that St. Johnson can't push themselves further up the league next season? Because I think, like I say, when you're a, a team and your manager, everyone likes the manager, the players are happy, you're successful. It's much easier to build on top of that than it is if, if you're kind of down, down in the doldrums and, and not confident. We're going to talk to James McPake, the Dundee manager, just after 20 past. Of course, it's Dundee against Kilmarnock. Playing for a place in the Premiership, that is Thursday, the first leg at Dens, and then Monday at Rugby Park to sort that one out after Ross Kenty uh, secured their survival at the weekend. Uh, so we'll speak to James uh, shortly. Uh, you can get involved in the football discussion as well, as ever. Delighted if you want to join us uh, for a chat. Rob McLean, John Hartz and Richard Foster in the studio. 0808 17 17 700. Text GO and your message to 87474 on the socials at Go Football Show. And of course, in the, in the course of the, the two hours, as ever, there is breaking news. And as it happens, we bring it to you. And uh, news with us right now, heard about it a few days ago, and it's happened. J. Emmanuel Thomas is an Aberdeen player. The Jet is leaving Livy, of course, and he signed a two-year deal with the Dons. John Hartson, what do you think about that? I think it's a good opportunity for, for J. Uh, Emmanuel Thomas Emmanuel, is it? J. Emmanuel Thomas, Emmanuel but you can Thomas. rearrange it into well, whatever words. He was at words. Arsenal, wasn't he, as a kid? Yeah. Uh, come through at Arsenal. Um, and then, obviously, um, he done very well at Livingston. The times I've seen him play, mm. I wasn't sure whether he was going to progress. He's not, you know, for me, um, he, he, he was decent for, for Livy, um, but without being spectacular, without winning games on his own, if you know, he come off the bench quite a lot. Um, but so that's that's a big move. That's a big call for Stephen Glass and deciding at Aberdeen, give him a, a few years contract, and it just gives him a platform now to push on again. He's still still very young, um, so it's a good signing for Aberdeen. But as I said, I'm not seeing an awful lot of him, and the times that I did see him, he he wasn't particularly spectacular. But I wish him well. It's a great move for him personally. And, I hope he does well at Aberdeen. He has done some spectacular things this season. Uh, you would say he scored some pretty incredible goals. I think we'll call him Jet. Uh, probably it's easier that way. Um, <laughs> what do you think? One of your old team. I mean, this, the the phrase "one of your old teams." Uh, I'll be using sort of right through the two hours, <laughs> referring to lots of different clubs, Richard. But what Not do you that ma- many? <laughs> no. What do you make about Jet to um, Aberdeen? I think he's he's probably some something that Aberdeen are missing at the moment. They're missing that focal point striker. I know he's kind of sometimes at Livingston he's played in the wider areas. He certainly played wider when he was. I played against him when he was at Ipswich, Bristol City, and oh, did you? <laughs> and uh, we both jumped for a header, and I landed about fifteen feet away from where we started. He's massive, he just, isn't he? He just threw me out the way. Mm. Um, but you know, I like him in that kind of centre forward role. He's big, he's strong, he's powerful, and he can bring other players into the game. And like I say, I think. That's what Aberdeen have missed. They've missed. They've missed the. They've not replaced someone like Cosgrove, who brings that physical presence up front. Um, 
and you know, like John said, that you know, you wish him all the best, and it's um, you know, Aberdeen are a, a huge club. It'll be good for him. Yeah. You're hoping next season that the fans in, um, but with the fans in, brings brings um, pressure, and you'll probably need to score more goals for Aberdeen than he did for Livingston. But if he plays as that central striker, I think he will. Does he force you to play a certain way? When you put him in the team, does that dictate at all how you how you play? No, not at all. I think you know it's not as if you know if you look at him and think he's he's exceptional in the air. You know, it's not like you go yeah, you just lump it up to the big mm. man because he's he's good in the air. He's he's a big uh, physical guy. He's powerful, but he he's got a good touch and he brings people into the game and he picks up good little bits of uh, pockets of space. So it's not just a case of right, he's six feet four, let's kick it long. Obviously, there is that option. But I think it, he's, he's a good focal point, like I say, for Aberdeen because they've got other players who can kind of play off him and play around him, but they don't really have that main striker. He's 30. He's been around He's been around a lot of clubs. Did start at Arsenal, uh, Blackpool, Doncaster Rovers, Cardiff, Ipswich, Bristol City, QPR, uh, MK Dons, Gillingham, um, and then of late Livingston. He was in his time in England under 19 international. Um, mm. You know, he's, he's definitely got got a bit about him he's got he's got an ability he's got a real bit of skill about him yeah about for that. a big man he's got great feet um, and he, he maybe he's just one of these players who, who get, who's got better with age you know all the, the loan deals and the clubs that he's been at um, but it's, it's a fantastic move for him personally and in a way you've got, you got to feel for Livingston again because they are a feeder club aren't they for the bigger clubs yeah you know Lyndon Dykes early in the season goes, goes to QPR any decent player that Livingston seems to have or come through, or anything, they they end up getting sold. But I suppose they're a club that know what what the club is all about. Then they have to go out and find other players and let them come through and sell them on. That's the type of club that Livingston have been for years. J. Emmanuel Thomas is going to be an Aberdeen player. I think Clark Robertson is is heading there as well. I'm not sure if that deal is done yet, but he was at Aberdeen yeah. and it seems like he's going back to Aberdeen. And of course, Declan Gallagher has been signed already. So he, he's not hanging about uh, Stephen Glass in terms of sorting things out. And it does underline what we were yeah. talking about a few minutes ago. Another one that, that, another nothing, one that left Livingston, Declan yeah, Gallagher. Exactly, he was there as well. But it underlines what you were saying right at the top of the show mm. that at the moment, as far as we're aware... Not very much at all is happening at Celtic. No, and we're, we're all waiting. I think the Celtic fans are waiting anxiously. I come on the show on, on Saturday with Craigs and Paul and the word was that they were going to announce Eddie Howe yesterday. Oh. It was already done. The Glasgow <laughs> rumour. The rumour machine, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, and nothing's been, no word has come out again today. Um so I don't know. People keep saying, well, you know, Bournemouth play on Thursday night in the second leg of the playoff. They won it up against Brentford. Uh, I don't see, well, what what's that got to do with um, Celtic bringing in Eddie Howe as their next manager? You know, there's word that he wants to bring in his own staff. That's what the issue is. Another 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 uh, rumour possibly was, he's, you know, he's still being paid uh, by, by Bournemouth. Mm. I don't know. I really don't know. I wish I, I knew I had more info to, to give the supporters. I just don't know. And meanwhile, Rangers uh, moving onwards and upwards, they plan at least, um, having won the league by a, a country mile and already putting lots of pieces in place. Fashion Sakala was the latest, of course. They're signing from Ostend in Belgian football. Scott Wright is already part of the, the furniture, having moved from Aberdeen. Jack Simpson from Bournemouth as well. Uh, they are cracking on our Rangers on the back of uh, what was wrapped up 
at the weekend and what a difference 12 months makes. There's no getting away from it at times of being too heavily reliant on Alfredo Morelos and Jermaine Defoe. Bringing Kemar Roof in, bringing Cedric Hitton in, keeping Ryan Kent when there was some real serious interest was was big from this board. So we definitely got the last transfer window right. And then it's about using the, the hits and the setbacks to drive you on more. And I think the way the season was curtailed last year, it gave us a chance to reset everyone individually and collectively. And from the first day of pre-season, them guys have given me everything and more. Everything and more. Yeah, it was noisy, wasn't it, uh, at the weekend as uh, Rangers hammered Aberdeen 4-0 in the end to uh, round off uh, an unbeaten season in the, the Premiership. And you just sense from Steven Gerrard that, uh, apart from the fact he was shouting uh, above the, the PA, the fact that he's still burning with ambition for Rangers, what, what he wants to achieve there, uh, Richard. Yeah, of course. And I mean, you, you know, they were exceptional in the league, but they never reached any semi-finals in the Cups. So that'll be something that's probably annoyed them, that... Um, you know, when you're at Rangers, you're expected to do well in all competitions, as you are at Celtic. So that'll be a, that'll be a thing that you, you know. Obviously, next year the winning the league is massive because of the automatic qualification to the Champions League spots um, brings with it obviously a, a lot of money. But you know, the Scottish Cup, especially with fans in, is the glamour tie in Scotland, and you know they're not able to play that this year because they got knocked out. That they kind of got knocked out in the League Cup. So that'll be something that he wants to address, I would imagine. And I I never understand, you know. Yes, finan- the finances of, of coming up to Scotland, being a manager here and then moving down to England. But I never, you know, if you're at Rangers and Celtic, these two, they're massive clubs. You know, they're, they're huge clubs. They're successful clubs. You're winning things. You're playing in Europe. You know, there's no reason why Steven Gerrard can't just stay at Rangers. I know, yes, he's obviously a Liverpool fan and probably one day wants to manage Liverpool. But, you know, for the foreseeable future, he's a great success. He'll want to build on that success. And, and hopefully for, for Rangers, for the fans, for the players and the Scottish game, I hope he stays up here for a long time because he's he brings something special to the game. I get what you're saying about the Scottish Cup, but, but you would imagine Champions League. I mean, winning the title again, Obviously, is the is the is the first target, but also you would think qualifying for the Champions League group stages. Rangers have got two rounds to get through to get there. Not going to be easy, uh, but you would imagine that's burning bright uh, inside Stephen Gerrard. Yeah, well, what wants whenever to do. them qualifiers come, I would imagine that Stephen Gerrard will get his team in. He'll get them fit. He'll get them up to speed because they can take place really early in our season uh, whereas the the teams they might face might be 10-15 games into their respective leagues you know so they, they are already up and up to speed the, the opposition so I would imagine somebody like Steven Gerrard the professionalism that he's got um, he'll get his team ready uh, but I, I slightly agree with Richard and this is not any you know a, a biasness or, or having a pop it's like Rangers were in a position to win the Scottish Cup just for, you know, they'd beaten Celtic, they're, they're big rivals, if you like. Um, you know, the the biggest danger to Rangers in terms of the Scottish Cup. Celtic had gone out to Ross County in the League Cup and then Rangers played a few days later. So Celtic were out of both competitions and Rangers were in pole position to go and do better in the Cups. So that is something that yeah. Steve Gerrard will want to work on. I'm, sh- I'm sure the players are delighted with, with the league, with the league win. But it's all about now kicking on, winning more leagues, getting into the Champions League. They've watched Celtic sort of all of a sudden over the last 10 years, you know, in thinking we want to get back there. You know, we want to do great things mm. like Celtic have done 
And now it's a case of them just going and doing them things. Certainly room for improvement. That's how uh, Stephen Gerrard and Rangers will see it, doing better in the cup competitions and maybe uh, making some European progress as well. Thursday night at Dens is Dundee against Kilmarnock playing for a place in the Premiership and the Dens Park gaffer James McPake up next. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. Tuesday night, the Go Radio Football Show between now and seven o'clock. Rob McLean, John Hartson and Richard Foster in the studio and uh, Chris will be back with us uh, throughout to keep you across all the travel information. Stevie Clark will name a Scotland squad tomorrow. 26 names, uh, 23 on match days, of course. I wonder if there'll be any surprises, uh, lots of certainties about who he's going to be naming. Uh, but some question marks over uh, some of the more peripheral figures in that squad. Who do you fancy uh, being in the squad? 0808 17 17 700. As of the weekend, of course, uh, Rangers 25 points clear as champions. Uh, Celtic uh, will join Rangers in the Euro- in the Champions League qualifiers. Aberdeen, Hibs and St. Johnston into Europe as well. Hamilton relegated and Kilmarnock are in the playoffs they won 2-0 at Hamilton at the weekend but it wasn't enough with Ross County uh, winning at Fir Park to uh, secure survival John Hughes and Co. Killy into the playoffs where they will play Dundee for a place in the top 12 uh, Dense Park Thursday night for the first leg of that game let's talk to the Dundee gaffer James McPake hi James Hi Rob, how are you doing okay? Good, you told me earlier you were distinctly average as your mood improved in the last couple of hours. Yeah, I've got a little bit better, yeah. Getting the players <laughs> away and, and some time you chill out. No, I'm okay now. Good man. How excited are you uh, about Thursday, Monday? Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Look, the aim at the start of the season was to get promoted. Now, we we're under no illusion that we were going in with a massive club in Hearts. We are... Uh, a very big budget. I know that doesn't win you win you titles, of course, but we didn't perform particularly well at the start of the season. But we we seem to have had a bit of a bit of forum, and, and we managed to get second place, and and that that was important in itself. And then we, I think we got through that that two legged playoff with Rafe Rovers quite quite comfortably, um, albeit the, the we lost the the home tie, but the game was effectively done it. It's Tarks Park on the Wednesday night and, and we could afford to, to nurse a few, a few boys and, and leave a few out. So yeah. no, we can't wait for this one to come round. Have you felt the pressure in the course of the season after a disappointing start and just because of the expectations around Dundee? I mean, Hearts were always favourites, weren't they, to, to win the title, to get the automatic promotion. But, but I guess pressure on a club like Dundee as well. Because a lot of the a lot of fans and a lot of people looking in probably see Dundee as a top flight club. Yeah, I'd imagine they do. Um, of course, I feel the pressure. Look, it was it's something that's new to me, um, and I've had to go to a lot of people and, and ask for advice and help and, and whatnot. But but I knew taking the job that I'd played for the club. I know that the the supporters expect us to be a, a Premiership club, um, but you, you've got to earn the right to be a Premiership club. We were poor last season. And again, it was kind of similar to this one. Coming to the end of it, we were getting into a rhythm where we'd have caused teams problems in the playoffs, but obviously the, the season got cut short, as we all know. 
Um, and then this season, kind of similar. It's just been a bit of a weird season, but no, look, we've given ourselves a chance, and that's what we can. That's what we sat down at the start of the season and said, if, if it's not automatic promotion, then we need to be in the playoff final and and have a right go at, at getting ourselves back to the Premiership. As you said, um, I mean, you couldn't be going into. Uh, these two games in better shape because uh, as you said as well I mean the the the, the semi-final was effectively over when, when you won 3-0 in Kirkcaldy I mean I, I think that was that was a result that, that probably took a lot of people by surprise because uh, Wraith have been such a good team and especially on their home patch Yeah they had been um, and they'd, they'd been at Dens and this is credit to the players they'd been at Dens maybe two or three weeks earlier and we had to win um, or they had secured second, so the players stepped up to the mark that that afternoon and, and got the victory. And and, and it became kind of went with the same game plan. And albeit, yeah, they have an Astro, but we've got a pretty good record on it as well. So it was, it was never something that I don't like. I didn't like playing on it, and I know a lot of players don't like playing on it, but we seem to do okay on it. So we were never worried about their pitch and. And we were confident that we were getting players back at the right time as well. And, and Charlie was getting back up to, to full fitness as well. So Jordan McGee's back after his surgery. So no, we were getting big players back at the right time, which was crucial. Hi, James. It's John Hartson here. Um, Hi, John. Hi, James. Yeah, what I was going to say was, you know, you beat Wraith fairly comfortable in Kakodi, as Rob said. And they're a team at the same level as you, a championship team. But now, by going into against Kilmarnock, is your approach slightly different? Will, will you will you look at defending sort of more in numbers, or will you go about it the same way? I know you won't be able to give an awful lot away um, here on the radio, but Kilmarnock being a Premiership team, being you know being in the top fight for so flight for so many years, will your approach be slightly different against a, a higher level team? Well, it's, it's something we've sat down as a coaching staff and. Mm and spoke a lot about and we don't believe that and this is no disrespect to the, mm-hmm. the clubs in the in the Premiership but we don't believe there's a massive gulf now we've played Hibs twice in the Cup uh, one of the times was 4-1 but we were in the game until about the 78th minute um, and we had no centre-backs that day and St Johnston put us out of the Cup who we were about to play in the, obviously the Scottish Cup final at the weekend um, against Hibs and we missed a penalty that day and had a goal chopped off. So we've done OK. But yeah. again, OK is not good enough and OK is not going to get us to the Premiership. So we, we do need to be better than, than what we were certainly in the second leg against Rafe. And, but what we're going to try and do, and I heard Tommy, Tommy right after the game on Saturday, and he says he's, well, their plan is to go and win the two games. That's our plan as well. And it's it's just... It's, it's going to be a game plan. It's two experienced teams. When you look at them on paper, there's, there's plenty of experience throughout the two squads. Um, two big squads as well that that can change if, if if you want to change whatever way you want to play. So no, we're we're looking to win win the games, and it will be tougher. Look, I'm under no illusion. It's they're a Premiership team. They've had mm-hmm. 28 years in the in the Premier League or the top league. Let's change names at times, but. But we're also we also believe we're a big club and, and we should be in the Premiership. But as I, as I said earlier, you've got to earn that. Do you spot uh, weaknesses defensively in Kilmarnock? Because when you look at them, I, I was I, I was at their game, James, on on Sunday, and the front six is pretty pretty impressive and pretty st- pretty settled at the moment for them with Burke and Pinnock on on either side of Power and Dicker. Uh, Kyle Lafferty with Greg Kilty off. Uh, that looks that sounds pretty impressive, and, and actually they're they're playing pretty impressively at the moment. But do you see opportunities 
to get at them defensively? Well, that's always your, your job to look at the frailties in, in certain teams and, and how you can you can exploit that. And, and as I say, that's what we've done against Rafe Rovers. Yeah, John Wright is a different level, but it's the same thing you need to do. You need to find a way to hurt a team. And that's that's what we've been looking at now. Of course, every team's got weaknesses. Like us, they'll be looking at, at what they can do to hurt us. And it's, as it's just that it's going to be whatever team can handle the or both occasions better and I think it's going to be tight if I'm honest I think two teams that are they're trying to hold on to something that we're desperate to get and it's well, they are the Premiership team yeah but it's, we believe we've got a Premiership squad and, and that was the aim when we got the job it was to build a squad that could get up there and compete in the Premiership and stay because when I signed we had five years and I don't believe for a club like Dundee five years is enough um, we should be looking at the likes of your St Johnstons and your your Kilmarnock, so to speak, and, and, and trying to establish ourselves as a a Premier League club for a, a long time. Yeah, five I years mean, isn't a long time. Yeah, I mean it's twenty eight years, uh, Kilmarnock. You know that, and and looking, hoping they can make it twenty nine. You'll have other ideas about it. I mean, you're back mm-hmm. in the Championship, Richard, next season with with Partick Thistle. Do you, do you take James's point that that probably there's not a lot of difference in quality between top end of the Championship and bottom of the Premiership? Yeah, I completely agree. I think especially over you know it's it's only a couple of games. Maybe over the the course of a season, that's where the the kind of difference starts because of squad sizes and the ability to change and rotation. But you know. James has talked about the, the quality that he has in his squad and the depth he's got in his squad, especially getting players back. So I don't think over these two games there's going to be a massive difference. I do think it's going to be a close game. Um, and I, I actually think it's going to be who can who can outscore uh, who, really. Um, and I hope it's that way because obviously you want, as a neutral, you want to watch entertaining football. Um, but yeah, I think, I, think he's, I think you're right, James. I don't think there's a... A huge golf, especially in a, in a what? Uh, well, it's two games, but I don't think there's a huge golf at all. And you know, there's there's also a nervousness. But I think if you're if you're looking at it, again, if I was looking at it as a player and you're trying to get yourself into the Premiership, that's a much better pressure to deal with than trying to keep yourself in the Premiership and that kind of nervousness of there. So I think in terms of the the psychology of it, I would probably rather be in the in the Dundee dressing room than the Kilmarnock one. So it's hopefully it's going to be exciting games and and hope for yourself, James, that it, you come out on top. No, I, I, I think uh, that's a really interesting point and it's something we've stressed to the players that, that we are the ones that have, have got something to achieve here. Yeah, Kilmarnock, if they if they win win the tie, that they stay in the league, but there's a hunger in our squad and I think over the past the past 10 weeks or so, you've seen that when the real pressure games have came, that's where, where you see your, like your Charlie Adams or your Paul McGowan who have played in big games. Um and let's not um, forget that Kilmarnock have got players like that as well that have played in big games, but there is a different pressure on them to us. Um, we are we're on a high and we're trying to we're trying to finish a season off and and achieve something that that, that we were set out to do. And I don't think at the start of the season Kilmarnock's goal would have been to, to win a playoff final. They'd have been looking maybe top six or at least to be comfortable in the Premiership now. So. I think the psychology part of it is, and, and the pressure for once, um, as and as a Dundee manager in, the, in this league, the pressure's always on. But probably for once, the pressure's on the other side. But internally, there's a pressure on us as well, and we want that because we we believe we've got a, a good enough squad to get up there and compete. And it's it, but again, it, believing's one thing, and getting out on those two two occasions and doing it's another thing. 
James, a player, a player for Kilmarnock, as you well know, Kyle Lafferty played at most mm-hmm. of his career higher level, played for his country, been successful. Um, w- would there be any special sort of plans to maybe stop crosses coming into the box or, you know, putting a player in front of him, stop him getting into his feet? Would you make a plan? I know if you make too many plans around Kyle Lafferty, they've got several that can hurt you, but in terms of what he gives Kilmarnock, what he's given them since he's arrived, you know, hat-tricks and good performances and everything else, would you have a special plan for him? Yeah, look, it's, he's been outstanding mm-hmm. um, since he came in and I was in a, couple, a few international squads with him, so I know mm-hmm. what type of player and what type of character he is. Um, he's he's infectious and he's good and, and you can see why Tommy was so desperate to bring him in, but I, I pose this question to what you just asked me there, John, as I say, look, I'm not afraid to come out and ask questions, but I posed this question to Gordon Strachan and your big mate Chris Coleman as well and, mm-hmm. and says to them, what do you do in these situations? And it's you kind of look after yourself first. So how do we hurt them? And that, that's the first one. So right, we've got that sorted and then you work on how do you stop it getting to them? Um, now, but you're right in saying that. If we just concentrate on Kyle Lafferty then, yeah. Chris Buck, that will then... Bill Hurt is killed. He's been playing. He's been excellent. He's yeah. a player I really yeah, like. He was great at Dunfermline last season. So look, they've got loads of loads of players that could come down to a set play. It could come down to anything. So just to, to foolishly look at Kyle, Kyle Lafferty mm. and, and say, right, that's what we need to do. That would be wrong. And, but and yeah, we, we we know we need to stop him because he is. Yes, he's a threat. That's the only reason I asked the question, James, because I thought, yeah, if there's somebody that could go and win a game. You know, we've seen yeah. him do it several times. You but know, he's a, thing, he's a physical yeah, presence. Yeah, but, but, the thing, but the thing is, right. but the thing is, Kilmarnock will be having the same sort of conversation about Charlie Adam, won't they? they they'll be they'll yeah. be trying to avoid him dictating from from the midfield, James. Yeah, yeah. and like, and Paul McMullen, um, and Jordan McGee, who has been scoring goals for midfield, and whoever else is in our squad. Likewise, yeah. I'm looking at other players in their team, but. No, it's a, it's a case he has, he's come in, he's done very well and, mm. and he's a threat and probably without him then, and again this is just my opinion and there's no disrespect, but there's a good chance they might have finished bottom of the league if, if they hadn't got Kyle in, so yeah, that's credit yeah. to Tommy for yeah. getting him in in the first place. So In fact, that's probably almost no, a certainty, James, isn't it? When you think uh, that he scored 10 yeah, goals goal. in, in t- yeah. or 12 goals in 10 games or something. Yeah. I mean, it's think he's, he's ruined the fact he couldn't quite get him in a bit earlier, maybe, you know? I yeah. Mean, it, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, so, and again, it's, it's not all about just, you say, yeah, how do we, we can't just concentrate on no. them because, as you say, they are a premiership squad and they've got other players that will hurt us. So we need to be at our very best. We need to be, it needs to be the best Dundee that, that shows up on the two occasions. And we believe if we do that, then we've got as much in our squad that can hurt them as they've got that can hurt us. So they, they'll be worried about us as well. You can talk, yeah, Charlie has one. And the end of the watch the game on Wednesday night, you'll see why, because he... When he, when he can get time on the ball, he'll do that. But I'll be over the moon if they're only concentrating on Charlie Adams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. In, James, good in talk- that squad that can, that can hurt them. Good having you on good the show. Luck, James, all the best. Yeah, good good talking to you and all the best for Thursday and Monday. No, I appreciate that. Thank you. That is James yes. McPake, the Dundee manager. And it's Dundee against Killy. Uh, firstly, on Thursday, playing for a place in the Premiership. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. Thanks, Chris. 
Good to have you with us on the Go Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited for a Tuesday evening. It's talking football all the way between now and seven. Stevie Clark will be talking tomorrow about who he's picked in the Scotland squad for the Euros. How good does that sound? Scotland at the Euros. Uh, It was only the 23 years uh, between France 98 and the tournament which kicks off next month. Scotland against the Czech Republic uh, is first. 26 names tomorrow, 23 available any match day. And uh, obviously uh, you will have your thoughts about who you think should be in the squad. Um, We probably know who will be in the squad. Maybe, hmm, I don't know, 18, 20 of the names are probably certainties. Uh, But there are some uh, maybe question marks hanging over one or two. Let's have a a chat. It's uh, Rob McLean, John Hartson and Richard Foster, just in case you've forgotten in the studio. And we've got John Walker with us from the Scots Abroad podcast. Hi, John. Hi Rob, hi John, hi Richard. Hi John. Good to have you with us. Um, and obviously one of the question marks surrounding the squad, John, uh, is over the name of, of Ryan Gold. What are you thinking? Yeah, so from what I know, um, I don't know if this is due to COVID restrictions or whatnot, but all the players had to be issued with fit for duty forms yeah. that were sent to the clubs. Now, I know those forms have not arrived at Ferenc and have not arrived with player or his agent. So I think it's safe to say that um, Ryan Gold will not be one of the names that's appearing in Steve Clark's squad for the first time tomorrow. Is that a mistake, John? Um, I I don't think Scotland's um, Euro 2020 hopes are going to be pinned on Ryan Gold being included in the squad, but I think it's a huge mistake not to have him in. Um, I think the numbers speak for itself. Like You can rhyme off these stats. 33, goal, 33 games, 9 goals, 7 assists, 9 league man of the matches, which is more than anyone in that division. Um, top on assists for direct shots at goal in the whole league. He's just one player of the month for the entire league. So it's not it's not a guy who's playing on a relegation battling side that is just kind of ticking a box. I keep seeing the comparison to like a, a Ross Callahan at Hamilton. And with all due respect, it's yeah. just not the same incident at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I take your point that, that Scotland's chances are not going to stand or fall on whether Ryan Gold isn't, is or isn't in the squad. And it, it obviously sounds like he's not going to be in the squad but uh, he is a guy that offers something a little bit different and I just wonder whether to, a lot, to an extent John this comes down to profile and the fact that we don't see Portuguese football at the weekends on a, on a regular basis I, well, I'm not sure where it's available over here uh, compared with other European leagues where um, you can make much more of an impact I think I think the irony there though is, is we've always tried to promote this pretty, pretty cleverly that free sports TV which has got a connection with Premier Sports, but it's completely free, on Freeview. Anyone with a satellite or Freeview TV can get access to it. Four of his, four of his games have been live on on UK television for free. Has my so argument just really collapsed, John? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think that there is there is something there. People could have been watching him, so but I do think there is an element of out of sight, out of mind, and I, I'm kind of hoping that Jack Henry's inclusion last international break is maybe something to break the mould of it because I do feel for too long that players going abroad the hindrance has been maybe not seeing people included in the, the national squad too often um, but when I when I look at the names that I think are going to be in this squad there are so many players I could make cases for them going in ahead of those people and it's stylistically a match as well because the way friends play is majorly without the ball people behind it um, Gold tends to trigger a lot of the presses he's really high on ball retention um, and ball recoveries in the final third so and he does play off that that single striker so 
the way Steve Clark's kind of played with the, the 5-4-1 or the 3-5-2 with the kind of floating striking instead of the two up top, he's kind of ready-made for that position, but he can also play in the midfield three. I'm just baffled with the people that, some of the names that are still going to be in this squad tomorrow. John, in terms of, you've just um, read out his stats, they're very, very impressive. In terms of the level that he's playing at in, in Portugal and the standard of the, of the league, you know, what what would you compare it with in terms of, say, the Scottish Premiership? What what level of the English Championship? What where would you put that standard that Ryan is playing on a weekly basis? Absolutely excelling, by the way, in the Portuguese league. Uh, and how far can he go? How how far? Where do you see Ryan Gold going? Uh, where can he take his career? Do you see him going to the very very top? Um, in in terms of his his numbers, so. You know, could you tell us in terms of what level is he playing at right now? Because yeah, without, no, he, not being I, sounding disrespectful, we don't know the levels in Portugal. We don't. I'm, I'm sitting with Richard Foster. Richard said, without being disrespectful, we don't see. We don't. Hey, it's know, on free. It's on free sports. I can't believe you guys <laughs> you are watching. It. It's on free sports. So tell us, tell us what what, what level is yet. Do, do you know? Do you know for me, and it's not maybe a comparison to the players, but it, it, it feels kind of similar. See if I still look back at my football. Mm-hmm. Remember Southampton when Matt Atizzi was there, and everyone kept saying, "Why is he still sitting there? Why is he still sitting there? He needs to move to a bigger club." I think it's a Portuguese similarity to that Southampton side in the nineties, where Ryan Gold will move to a much bigger side than friends. He will move back to the similar levels of the club that he joined four years ago when he moved to Portugal. From, from, no doubt. He moved to Sporting Lisbon, didn't he? Yeah, so he won't go back there. But I think so you, you can um, see him playing in La Liga and you can see him playing in the Premiership maybe. Is he that good? He's good enough to play in the English Premier League. I don't know at what side, but I mean, oh. if I'm comparing him to the likes of Ollie Burke, Ollie McBurney, uh, John Fleck, who I, I'm a huge admirer of technically, I think he's mm-hmm. a great footballer, he's, he's on par with that. So he can right. definitely make the cut at that level. Okay. And, and is his contract up, John? When when is he available in the, this summer? He is available um, as of the 30th of June this, this summer. I, I'm aware that there are numerous clubs from every European major league interested in the player. John, are you, um, are you as Asian? <laughs> no, no, no. I am, I am not Paul McHale. I am not as Asian. <laughs> you are a cat. Paul, Paul's doing a perfectly good job himself. But, oh, apparently John does a really good percentage uh, by the sounds of it. Richard, is, is, is Ryan Gold someone you've seen much of? Um, no, I've not seen him since he nutmegged me at Ibrox. <laughs> to be fair, I've never really seen him then either. Um, but, you know, he was just a kid then. He was 17. Yeah. Um, and you could see there was, you know, he was a bit slight. He was a bit small. Um, but real technical ability. Um, seemed to kind of naturally understand where to be on the pitch um, for such a young age. Confidence. Um, good first touch and awareness about him. So you could tell there was, there was potential to become a good player. And obviously, he's kind of gone abroad and... and, and He's, he's excelling at the moment as, as John said both John said there um, especially with his numbers but in terms of the Scotland squad I heard you say that he can play in the, in the midfield three he can play off the front you know those are positions that I think Scotland are pretty strong in you know mm. off, the, off the front I like seeing McGinn off the front um, you know so that's who he would be competing with Ryan Fraser in those positions in midfield you know Armstrong McGregor and the and the one that's not in is the Scottish young player of the year David Turnbull yeah, yeah so oh, in oh, those oh, two positions be called in. those Absolutely. two positions Johnny's got I know mm. you're saying that you can make a case for him to be in the Scotland squad but mm. that's probably the most competitive area of the pitch for Scotland so him not 
looking like it's he's not going to be there is probably not that big of a shock. I'm, I'm just keen before you go, John, before we head for the news at six, just to get your thoughts. I know you mentioned him already, Jack Hendry. Um, do, do you think he is going to be in the squad? And and what's the future, do you think, next season for, for Jack Hendry? I mean, just for my bank account, I hope Jack Henry's in there because I do have a little wager on ah. the tricky, so I really hope Jack Henry's in the squad. Okay. Um, I know Jack, Jack Henry's fit, so he's struggling with his shoulder injury he picked up a few weeks ago. But he is fit and available, but I've not heard anything from Oostend whether or not they received the forms. Um, but I, I would assume Jack Henry would be in the squad tomorrow. And do, does he go back to Celtic, do you think? Or will Ostend keep him? Or do you think he, because of the, the form he's displayed this season against top opposition, uh, there's going to be a fair bit of interest around him? I think that the football that Ostend play and the, the system they play really suits Jack Hendry. Um, it really, really suits him playing in the middle of a back three, which is why I was really surprised he didn't play that position for Scotland. Um, he tends to lose a lot of, um, a lot of duels down the, the channels. But in the middle of that back three, it really suits him. It's a technical league, so it plays into him being a ball-playing centre-half. I think I would stay in Belgium if I was him. I think he's going to only grow his reputation out there rather than coming back into the, the old firm goldfish bowl. One for you, John. Uh, yeah, Jack Hendry. I, you, you watch a, a, a lot of Jack Hendry, uh, John. Um, and obviously, a lot of the Celtic fans are, are interested. He's at Ostend. How, how far has he come? How much has he improved his game? since going out to Ostend on loan. Would you say now he could just slip back and be a better player playing centre-back for Celtic? You know, in terms of everybody is saying they're not quite sure whether he'll come back or whether Ostend will extend his deal. How much has he improved by being out on loan? It's everything. He's became like the kind of natural leader within mm. that team. Him and um, Peter, who are the two of the more experienced players, he just became a leader. You can see yeah. so much more confident. Um, the errors seem to have dropped out his game dramatically exactly what Celtic need then yeah, yeah and, I was, and I was trying to say John I was trying to say to people mm. um, like the comparison of Rangers like look how few goals Rangers have conceded in the SPL this year mm. and if you look at Rangers against Antwerp there was a, it kind of showed the, the attacking prowess that he's up against week on week Yeah. so that was like a fair comparison for me to be able to go mm-hmm. he's playing against really dangerous attackers one of who Rangers have actually signed um, going into the new season yeah Fashion yeah, Sakala yeah he, I think he could come back and play for Celtic, but I don't think yeah. he should. I think he should stay in a league that suits him technically. Yeah. John, thanks a lot thanks, for joining John. us. Good to hear from you. you. That's John Walker from the Scots Abroad podcast talking uh, Ryan Gold, talking Jack Hendry as well. He was on the show, wasn't he? Uh, Not so long ago uh, and he has uh, moved on in so many ways uh, and he's become pretty much uh, pretty sought after uh, Jack Hendry after a spell in Belgian football. News at six on the way plus another hour of Football Chat. I'm joined now by Gary from OPC Energy. Gary, what a job you did out there today. it It was unbelievable. You saw the customers' faces when that boiler went in. It was a really special moment. And what about the overall performance? Unreal. You, you could really feel the heat out there. I'm delighted with the result and we move on to the next one. Thanks, Gary. Come on! For more information on boiler upgrades, heat pumps and more, visit opc-ltd.uk. Get ahead of the game with OPC Energy. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from 5.
Are we going to do another hour? Yes, let's do another hour. We're talking football uh, between now and seven. It's Rob and John and Richard. And we James McPake with us uh, just after 20 past five. Um, and it was interesting to, to listen to what he had to say. And he wasn't afraid, and, and I love this, he wasn't afraid, Richard, to talk about learning uh, as a manager. He's a very young manager, of course. He's got a high stakes couple of games uh, coming up. But he spoke about picking up the phone to all sorts of people, like Sir Gordon Strack, and he mentioned and Chris Coleman uh, as well uh, getting advice just learning the game and, and being happy to to have that all out in the open yeah of course I think that's an important part of, of managing and, and being the manager because you, you, you're managing the players you're managing your coaching staff and you're not going to know everything you're not going to know the answer to everything and if you have players around you and people around you that you can call on and, and to, to get all the information possible then of you know, of course, it should be a huge benefit, and the fact is, it is. It's very refreshing that he's so open about, you know, letting everyone know that yes, he asks for help, which of course is is it's a great thing because, you know, he's a young manager. He won't know everything. There'll be times when he's, you know, should we man mark Kyle Lafferty or should we just play our own game? So these are little, and that's how you learn by speaking to people who have had the experience. I mean, you know, Gordon Strachan's managed at the top level, so. It's an excellent shoulder for him to to kind of lean on if when he needs support and you know why not be open and honest about it and why not tell everyone yes you know I don't know everything and sometimes I need help and it's it's very refreshing to hear and obviously on the other side of the fence someone who is very experienced Thursday night uh, Tommy Wright uh, who achieved so many great things with St Johnson it's all been totally eclipsed this season by by Callum Davidson and what he's in the process of doing but uh, Tommy Wright a wily old yeah, campaigner but, I, I, uh, but, 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 but there's a real pressure attached to keeping Kilmarnock in the, in the top division isn't there? Well yes and no because you know he joined Kilmarnock sort of just after halfway through the season you know, they, they lost uh, Dyer, didn't they, their manager? Um, Alex Dyer, yeah. Alex Dyer. And then Tommy came in almost as a as a sort of to rescue Kilmarnock really from from uh, you know from finishing in, yeah. in, in the in the bottom couple of places. Yeah. Well, I, don't, so I don't I don't mean he's, he's, I don't mean the pressure's particularly on Tom. I don't mean if they go down it's it's, it's, it's his, his fault. fault. Yeah. But I, but I just mean because of the club Kilmarnock are yeah. and because as you said at the top of the show they've been 28, 28 years, years in, yeah. in, in the top flight. That brings pressure doesn't it because yes, you don't want it, you, it you don't want it to be on your watch Absolutely. when Kilmarnock drop down. Absolutely. And and the fact we talked about Kyle Lafferty as well. He's brought Kyle Lafferty in 10 goals been a huge player for him but still they've still got a job to do they're not out of the woods yet you know um, but I liked James McPake's positivity I just liked the way that he was he was approaching the game we mentioned Kilmarnock's sort of front three or four players uh, Burke Lafferty um, Greg Kilty yeah Kilty one or two others Pinnock, uh, Pinnock, well Pinnock scored that, twice given a hat trick at the weekend and he was like well yeah. you know we have to impose out what we've got you know they'll be worried about Charlie Adam yeah. And they will be. You can't let Charlie Adam have the ball and spray it all over the pitch. He'll, he'll, he'll hurt you because that's what Charlie's great at. Yeah. He can pick passes, long range, short range. He's a good footballer still, you know, still keeps himself fit. Um, so for me, he's really positive. He's looking forward to the game. And, you know, I know he has to speak up about his team, but I genuinely feel that he'll think that Kilmarnock will, will have problems in facing Dundee as much as they'll have in facing Kilmarnock. John Hartson, Richard Foster, Rob McLean on the Go Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited and also getting uh, top billing tonight is Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Hi, uh, how you doing, guys? Yeah, Hi, Ryan. Thanks. Well, thanks. How's yourself? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. I'm glad the season's over. Um, we can firmly focus on next season now in the Euros as well, of course. 
I take it you're on, Ryan, to announce to us, to reveal to the world that uh, Eddie Howe is the new Celtic manager. <laughs> I wish I, I wish I was. Yeah. <laughs> um, still waiting. I've been I've been on a couple of times, and it's, it seems as if we're still in the same place that we were about a month ago. Yeah. I think the, the story first broke the first of April, so it's been a month and a half since the the rumour went about, really. But we're still waiting. Yeah, hopefully, it's done sooner rather than later. It's incredible, isn't it, how long the name of Eddie Howe has been circling overhead, John Hartson, and uh, and still no appointment. Well, how many headlines has it made Eddie Howe going to be announced in three days? Who's given this information? You know, somebody's given it to the press. Yeah. Uh, whether, or, or somebody's just guessing. Uh, absolutely. You know, you never know. But uh, it's frustrating, Ryan, isn't it? It's frustrating that we've gone this far... The end of the season now. The season's finished. Now we've got the Scottish Cup final to come up on Saturday, Hibs St. Johnson. But the league's finished now and Celtic have not got a manager in place. Yeah. With all the work there is to do. You know, I said earlier on, who's going to decide who gets sold? Yeah. There's players with a year left in the contract. Surely Eddie Howe has to have a, have a discussion with Dominic Mackay and say, do you know what? He's got a year left. I've watched him 20 times this season. He deserves a new deal. Yeah. If Eddie Howe's not there to say that, Celtic mm. might lose a player. Yeah, although that is chat that can be going on even though he's not in place. Yeah, can't well, it? Teams, but... teams will want to take players now. Teams yeah. will want to get their work done early. Yeah. You know? Ryan, how painful has this season been for you <laughs> going from the quadruple treble, winning everything for four years, to suddenly winning nothing and being so far back in the league? Yeah, it's, it's been it's been very painful. Um, obviously, losing the league to your rivals is always going to be painful. But the way that we've done it, we've, we went out with a whimper rather than putting up a, a genuine challenge this season. I think the the writing was on the wall quite early on, um, and we, we we never done anything to really change that. We the board sort of just accepted it, and they didn't really make a change quick enough until it was well too late, in my opinion. Um, so yeah. It's, there's a bit of taste in the fans' mouths, I would say, especially online. A lot of fans are really not happy with the way the club's dealing with things at the moment, from their communication to their um, lack of announcements. There's no engagement with the fans, it feels like, and it's getting really annoying for Celtic fans because they just want a bit of good news after a terrible season. I mean, John Hartson, we, we've spoken about this plenty on this show, but but I mean, you, I'm, I'm trying to find the right word. Embarrassed is that the? I mean, you're pretty embarrassed at how this has gone for Celtic this season, aren't you? I was. I think it was. I think it was one episode after the other. You could start off right at the beginning of the season where Lee Griffiths was left out of the pre-season trip to France, out of the pre-season training for for three or four weeks, um, and then I thought the first game of the season, yes, Celtic had to go in without Christie and without Edward, but. Uh, we played um, young Klimala from the start. He was like he was like a fish out of water. With no disrespect, Rangers won the, the won the game two 0 at Celtic Park. It was as easy a game as as Golson would have ever had. Golson and Hollander, I think it was, played partnered up at the back for Rangers. And and no disrespect, but but Klimala was never going to cause any. He wasn't going to put the fear of God into any centre half. He wasn't going to go and get get across them. The one thing he had to do was running behind. That's what he's good at running across the line and darting in with that great runs in between the spaces. He never offered us a lot. I know he's a young boy. I'm trying to dig a young lad out now. He's moved on. But 
he was always work in progress but just wasn't good enough but there's a long list isn't there of names oh, that, that's you, could, just, that that's you, could, just, you could go through Barkas and Laxal and Duffy and Ayeti and Klimala and it, 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 go, it goes on and on yep. names that just have not done any business and, probably, and, and uh, quite a lot of those really expensive whether they be on loan or not or permanent signings that's a lot of money being lashed out Richard isn't it for, for guys who haven't contributed it is I think was it Barkas Klamala Ayeti 13 million for those three players right that doesn't include the money they spent on, on Shane Duffy's loan now, but if you if you know Celtic in most games dominate the ball so they're two centre-halves pretty much playing the halfway line most of the time so to be a centre-half at Celtic you need to be quick and they signed Shane Duffy, who's an experienced centre half and had a great career, but he's used to defending his box. He stands in his own, you know, the edge, edge of his own box and defends it. As soon as you get him up the pitch and it's a foot race, he, he couldn't handle the pace of the Scottish game. It's especially because it's a lot of it's kind of all blood and thunder. You know, yeah. it's it's a hundred miles an hour all the time. And so whoever sanctioned that move and thought, well, yeah, that's a guy that who's going to fit into this team, I, I I don't see it. And it goes back to the the, the recruitment as John spoke about. The signings, I mean, if you want to have a good defensive record, Rangers, for example, this season, they've got the best goal in the country by a, by a, a million miles. Mm. You know, so that's where it starts. It starts with his McGregor's ability to save the ball, his talking, his communication, his desire to... The standards he sets. His desire to not yeah. concede goals. Whereas on that flip side, you've spent five million on a guy in Barkas who is probably not ready to be a number one goalie yet all because you wouldn't give Craig Gordon a little bit extra money and you see the season that he's had that in the championship that was a big mistake big mistake he's, he's, he, essentially he's brought to Hearts what McGregor brought to Rangers and look at the season that they've had yeah David Marshall was available on the market as a free <laughs> transfer we, we, at the we time can go as back well. to Duffy a minute I've got an interesting point about Shane Duffy Shane Duffy's the captain of his country right Republic of Ireland I think he's got over I don't know so many appearances in the Premier League for Brighton Yeah. big head on a stick right monster of a man right and everybody was saying when we signed Shane Duffy, magnificent signing. Just what we need. We need that physical presence at the back, which Aya, Aya didn't give us. And um, what was the other one? Uh, was it Julien at the time? Julien, sorry. When they give the penalty away down at Kilmarnock, first away game of the season. And Duffy came in, Richard, and everybody was going, he'll be great for us. But for whatever reason, it just didn't work for Shane Duffy. You're right, I think he might have been caught out with players running in behind and yeah. he didn't have the greatest of pace. And he had his issues as well. And he had Shane, his issues, yeah, in, in all it just, it, just, yes. it just didn't work. It just did but, not work. But, but, he but was it one wasn't, of a number. there wasn't a Celtic fan in the land that would have criticised that signing when, no. it, when, it, when they pulled it no. off. No. Well, I remember speaking to Davy Weir, uh, who's obviously involved at Brighton mm. and, and w- couldn't believe the lack of impact. And, and we had Billy Reid on this show, who's assistant manager at Brighton, and he thought, he, w- he was basically saying to the Celtic fans, stand by, this guy's going to be a sensation yeah. because, because he's an English Premier League player. So in the Scottish Premiership, it's, he is going to cruise it's it. It's all great them saying that, but if he's that great, why did Brighton let him come out on loan? Yeah, that, 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 you know, yeah. That. You know, if he's if he's going to be uh, so spectacular in the Scottish League, mm-hmm. oh, play him for Brighton. Yeah. Well, I think you made the point earlier on when you're playing for Celtic and Rangers, then there's no respite. You can't win two and then lose. You know, you know, you can't go on a good run and then lose a couple. You know, there's pressure. 
there's always pressure yeah. when you're playing. You've got to be at it. Well, every that's right. I mean, week. that's right. But you know, it's, it's you know, at Brighton. You know, what 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 does your win percentage right. have to be at Brighton to be well, deemed Eddie successful? Howe, Eddie Howe it's, will find this out now. Yeah. If 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 Eddie Howe survives every year for Bournemouth in in the Premier League, then it's a good season. Maybe yeah. he can push on to 14th or 15th. He come to Celtic. You've got to. Hit, we had Paul Lambert on you the other week. Mm. Paul said pressure under pressure like he's never felt before yeah and, and in front of a 10 or 12,000 crowd yeah at, 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 uh, at Bournemouth, Bournemouth. Yeah. but with Celtic you've got to win every week if you, yeah. if you draw a game it's a crisis yeah absolutely I'm just wondering Ryan what you reckon uh, about Scott Brown at the end of an era obviously uh, are you very much are you in the school of thanks a lot for the memories it's been great 22 trophies all the success everything he brought and, and the time is right to cut the ties, or would you would you have wanted Scott Brown to have stayed on in some shape or form? I mean, I can see the arguments for both sides. I know he's a massive character in the dressing room, and he would have been good to have around. But at the same time, I think if you're going to do a rebuild, you might as well. I'm not going to say cut the problem from the root because he's definitely not a problem in the team. But in terms of getting a rebuild done and getting a fresh start, it, it's important to sort of um, sort of get that freshness about the squad. I think we we there are there are better options out there for that central midfielder role, especially that have a wee bit more legs in them. Um, I've I've vouched for um, for Lewis Ferguson a couple of times. Um, you'd like him to be a Cel- you'd like him to be a Celtic player, yeah? Right, right. Can I tell you, mate, as a fan, what do we need? Tell the listeners what what does Celtic need? I know we need a manager, but other than that, what do we need? How many players do we need? What how much is going to be the turnover in terms of, you know, Willie Hockey thinks it could be thirty million pounds that Celtic need to claw this back. Well, what what do you think? I know they're going to set, maybe sell players and get some money in from the sales of players, but you tell us, mate, because I'm I'm fed up with telling people what I think <laughs> we need. Tell us as a fan, mate. Go on. It, it depends because you always hear about these players that want to leave, but it's always the ones that you least expect. Obviously, Frampong left in January. I don't think anyone was expecting him to go so soon in his Celtic career. There could mm. be other players like that that want to leave as well, that maybe haven't made it public or known to the media or, or to even the board or anything like that. Um, so it depends who leaves, really. Um, I, I see a minimum of 10, 11, 12 players we need. Um, well, Ryan, it, here's, here's John Kennedy at the weekend talking about players leaving. Let's have a listen to this. I think there's going to be more than we're used to. You know, ultimately, every season you look to improve your squads, you look to add bodies, personnel move on. You know, there's a few boys who'll move on, there'll be guys maybe looking at maybe getting offers coming in, etc. I mean, the squad is a bit light now anyway. You know, we've sent a few out on loan and stuff, younger players, but the squad is a bit light. So there's a bit of work that it be done. I think everybody knows that. So that's up to the club now to, to fix that, you know, come to the Champions League qualifiers in July. John, a, bit, a, bit, a bit of work to be done might be the understatement John, of the John day. Kennedy said then, we need bodies. Yeah. We don't need bodies. No, we need, need good qu- players. We need quality. <laughs> yeah. We need good players. Yeah. We brought in bodies this year. Yeah. Richard's just named them. We need players of the, of the ilk that can play at Celtic. You know, that, that, that have got great desire and, and, and confidence in their own ability. Know that they're good, ready, embracing the crowd. These are the types that, that excel at the at Celtic and Rangers. Because the pressure's on every week. You didn't like that answer from John Kennedy, did you? Well, when he, when he just <laughs> said bodies, I know what John means, but he should yeah. have been saying we need quality players. Yeah, he also said there's a bit to be done. Well, you know, that, that I think under assesses uh, the, the job in hand, uh, to be honest, Ryan. I mean, it's a much easier exercise uh, to, to look at who should and who will be in the Celtic 
team at the start of next season than it is to try to start to even list uh, the players who are going to be released, sold, or Celtic will try and force them out because they don't want them anymore. Yeah, there's there's going to be absolutely tons. Um, you've got the players that are coming back from loan. You don't know what the situation is with them under a new manager, under a new regime at the club. Um, you get loads of young players as well. There's a couple of young players that I want to be <coughs> that I want to see get given a chance next season. Luke O'Connell, I know he's do, I know it's League Two, but mm. he, he seemed he seemed like he was excelling for Queens Park at the end of the season. And, and I remember seeing him in a pre-season game against Hibs at the start of the season. He was bossing the midfield and. We haven't seen him at all in the team. We've only seen him in pre-season friendlies, and then he he suddenly disappears throughout the season. But um, and we saw what happened with Stephen no. Welsh, didn't we? Coming into the team out of necessity because Celtic were really struggling for centre backs at the time, and they couldn't defend. Stephen Welsh came in, got his chance, and and bearing everything in mind, Richard, um, for a young player, he's done really well, hasn't he? He has. He has. He's done exceptionally well. He's you know he's he was Celtic's best defender um, comfortably, I think. Um, over the course of the season, but I think it, it it's it's twofold. When you if you you want the kids to come in, then yes, of course they're the future of your club. And if you're looking at Welsh and you're looking at maybe Jack Henry coming back, they could be the future of of Celtic's central defence. And of course they could. But with that, they need experience around them because it's unfair to ask these young guys every week to to put in that pressurised situation. Now Stephen Welsh is Stephen Welsh, isn't it? Yeah, he's done exceptionally well, but. It'd be better for him to have an experienced partner beside him because then he'll get, because he'll get much better and much stronger. So yes, you do have to breed the kids in, but as John's touched on before, the pressure is on every single game. And typically, as younger players, you don't you're you're more inconsistent than a senior player. Yeah. So it's you know, and and sometimes if you have a poor performance, it can impact you, you know, much harder than it would an experienced player. Yeah. So you have to weigh in these all these different things come into the equation because it's not fair just to go the young guys yeah they're the future let's put them in and then hope it happens because if if young players play and Celtic are not successful then the young players won't remain at the club for. well I've for got an long. example when I was at the club Rob you had the likes of Steve McManus Stevie, Stephen Pearson mm-hmm. um, Maloney Mulgrew Smith alright Mulgrew left for Aberdeen because of, then the Golden Strike thought he was good enough at that time mm. um but and he ended up he ended up coming back. Celtic then re-signed him. But the reason why these players went on to have good careers, yeah, they had, they had fantastic attitudes and good ability. But they had, you know, you could put Stephen Pearce in on the left, and all of a sudden he's got Petrov, Lennon, Lambert, yeah, in and around him. Great it's, it's about blend and balance. International caps. Yeah. Sean Maloney, you know, he played off the front. Sean was he, he come on leaps and bounds, and it's okay saying these young players, but they need experience around them. Yeah, they need experience. They need to learn, you know, the standards that what is required, and that comes from every day on the training ground. By the way, and Ryan, you'll give us a shout when Eddie Howe's appointed, won't you? Of course, yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll be I'll be on celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's all I'm, it's all I'm basically waiting for just now. It's all we've I think towards the. The past month and a half, it's been the only thing Celtic fans have been really excited for because the rest of the games have been a damp squad, really. He's season. gonna get, he's gonna get some welcome, right? Isn't he? <laughs> well, we've built, you've been building up to it for a while, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, right. we can't wait. It's, I think, I think it's the perfect appointment. I've got to be perfectly honest. I think. I hope you're right, mate. Both sides, because it's a, it's a project for Eddie Howe as well as a rebuild for us. 
Yeah, I just said that to Richard Year off air. I basically said, what a challenge it is now for Eddie Howe. I think there'd be more pressure on Eddie Howe if he was to come to the club and Celtic were on a roll of winning titles. The pressure to keep winning. Now, every, most people would expect Rangers to win the league again next season on the back of how they finished this season. 25 points. Celtic in disarray. Need a total turnover. What an opportunity for Eddie Howe to come in, build a team, get a formation. Everybody's interested in that first 11, the pick next season. Mm. Nobody will be able to guess it by no. a million miles. No, no chance. What a challenge now to turn this around and, and to try and claw the, the title back for Celtic. He'll, he'll, be, you know, he'll be a legend for the rest of his life if he was to, if he was to come in and win the title in his first season, wouldn't yeah. he? What a challenge. Ryan, good to have you on the show. Cheers. All the best. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. Rob, I forgot, I forgot to say Craig Beatty, by the way, when I said about them young players coming through. Oh, did I, you? I know Beats will be listening. Ah, right, OK. <laughs> Definitely be listening, Beats. I'm amazed he hasn't been on the phone already <laughs> complaining. Um, John Hartson, Richard Foster and Rob McLean on the Go Radio Football Show. Half an hour to go on a Tuesday evening. And of course, tomorrow... Uh, Stevie Clark names his squad for the Euros. A couple of games ongoing in the English Premier League at the moment. Just to prove we're live, really. Manchester United won. Fulham nil. Edinson Cavani has scored for them. He's proved to be a pretty good signing for them, hasn't he, John? And and he's got another year to come as well. He's quality, isn't he? I think he's been inspirational as well in terms of, you know, Rashford's development. or Rashford's fairly experienced now. A few England caps behind him, but in particular, Greenwood and one or two other young ones, young players that are coming through, leading by example, his professionalism. You know, he's had a wonderful career, over 100 goals, I think, for Uruguay, his country. So a great signing. They've got him for another year, haven't they? I think they've got services yeah. for one more year. They've tied him down, which, you know, Man United, we talk about Harry Kane. He's apparently asked Spurs to leave. Um, where will he go? And £150 million. And I'll tell you now, Rob, somebody will pay that money yeah. for Kane. Because I believe 27 years of age, he is that good. I think he's extraordinary as a centre forward. It's just, uh, it'll be strange to see him playing for anyone other than Spurs because it's been so long, Richard. But uh, everybody wants a striker of his quality, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's that's why with, what, three years left in his deal, he can say that he wants to leave Spurs because, you know, he's got ambition. He wants to go and win things. He wants to be successful. And, and to do that, he needs to, you know... He's not managed it at Spurs, so he needs to go somewhere else. And, and fair play to him because, as John said, he is he is exceptional. You know, he can he can uh, he can play as that lone centre forward. He can drop in and play as a, you know just behind as a number ten. He can he can kind of do so much. He's just a, a top top quality football player. And like John says, I agree. I think someone will come in and buy him because he is that good. It's interesting. I mean, he's he's got three years left on his contract, but the the thinking at the moment seems to be that there's some sort of gentleman's agreement, maybe. Uh, whereby he can leave in the summer uh, because otherwise obviously it's 2024 for his, to the end of his contract yeah uh, possibly we don't know but he's got 165 Premier League goals and I hope he stays in this country I hope he goes uh, I'm not sounding disrespectful here being a former Arsenal and I'm going to pop at Spurs but uh, oh yes you are no I'm not honestly <laughs> but I hope he stays in the country I, I hope he goes to a Man United or, or, a, or a Man City or Maybe not Chelsea because London and all that derbies and rivalry. Um, because I'd like to see him break Alan Shearer's record. Because when Alan Shearer got 260 Premier League goals, 
you know, when he retired 10, 15 years ago, you're thinking that will never be broke. Mm. And it's going to take a player to stay at a Premier League club for 10, 12 years, like Alan did it at Blackburn. Um, Southampton. And Newcastle. Yeah. Southampton early on. Yeah. Um, but Newcastle, over two, uh, 210 goals, I think, for Newcastle. Some of them were league goals, of course. But I always thought that'll never be beaten. But if Harry Kane... Aguero's moving on, I would think. Uh, he, he had half a chance of it, but a bit older, five years older than Kane. But I always thought that'll never be beaten. That is remarkable. 260 Premier League goals. But I hope Kane stays you know, in England playing because he has got a chance to beat it. How many goals do you score for Celtic again? I haven't asked you since last week. I can't remember. Roger, 110. You know. Google it. No, I don't need to Google it. I just need you to tell me it. Uh, 110 more than Richard Foster's career. No, you've got 10, haven't you? 10, yeah. 10 career goals. Two, two on goals. Two, two on goals. Oh, we've got, I'm afraid you're going to have to go something to catch Stephen Cragen, one of our regulars <laughs> in here in terms of the, the on goal uh, count. Uh, the reason, of course, uh, I don't like Harry Kane and lots of us don't like Harry Kane is that he spoiled the party, didn't he, at Hamden uh, when Lee Griffiths hammered in those two, saying, two free kicks um, and he scored. He, I've never forgiven him. Um, did Craig Gordon not spoil the party? Shouldn't you have come for it? No, I guess everyone lays the blame at Stuart Armstrong's feet, doesn't they? Because well, he, he gave it away. Clear the ball up. But the pitch. shouldn't you keep a come for that? Mm. He's, he's followed it in inside the six-yard box. I prefer to blame Harry Kane. It's a great uh, finish. Or maybe the guy who should have been marking Harry Kane in the box. Well, yeah, don't know again, he's, he's peeled away, and it's a great ball that's hit him. Lee Griffiths is the man you got to feel sorry for, yeah. by the way. But it was a classic Scotland moment, wasn't it? I mean, I was commentating on the game on telly at the time, oh, yeah. and I thought, I'm, this is amazing. I'm going to be here and I'm commentating on Scotland beating England. And it was just when the second minutes goal away. goes in, um, I was watching it thanks to, to my wife, obviously, because I get invited to Hamden more because of her than I do for myself. <laughs> but um, when the second goal goes in, that's one of the best atmospheres I've ever been yeah. involved in. And, and then, like, you know, true to form. Scotland, you go from euphoric mm. to on the floor within a space of a couple of minutes. Yeah. We're, we're I don't all think in, it's just the therapy. Scottish fans either, by the way. I think a lot of fans were cheering on Lee Griffiths and Scotland yeah. maybe producing a great win at Hamden. The atmosphere, it just went so flat then. Oh, didn't yeah, it? it was unbelievable. Uh, total Scotland. Um, right, we've got, we're talking Lee Griffiths from mm. then. What about Lee Griffiths now? Will he be in the Scotland squad tomorrow? Should he be in the Scotland squad, even a allowing for his inactivity of late. Is he a striker? Uh, you want to be in the squad, John Hartson, just because when he's on, when he's uh, firing on all cylinders, uh, there ain't too many better finishers around. No, but um, he showed it this season in in short spells. You know, he hasn't really had a proper run of games where he can get his tally up, where you could say he scored eight in his last six He's come in, he's come off the bench, he's scored, he's scored some goals from the bench, he's had a couple of starts. I was surprised that, that John uh, didn't play him, sort of start him in the last three or four games, you know, see where he is in terms of his fitness. But then Neil Lennon didn't play him no, regularly Neil didn't. either. And, I, and I'm not telling John Kennedy how to do his job, he sees Lee Griffiths, he sees what shape he's in, he sees what state of mind he's in. Um, but what, is, what I would say about... Lee Griffiths is he's, he's he's a phenomenal goal scorer, and um, if you watch some of his finishes, I wasn't always fit. I wasn't always the fittest, but I had a habit of being in the right place at the right time. I was a goal 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 scorers have that. So maybe Steve Clark might think 
Lee Griffiths when when it's, when if we draw in a game and we need to, we need to score a goal. I love it when you say we about Scotland. Yeah, we need to go and put a, a, a centre forward on. There's nobody I think that's better than going on and, and and just creating a little chance for himself and tucking it away. So I'm biased, obviously, because you know he's a Celtic player and I know Lee and I like him, um, but obviously. The Scottish fans and the supporters, they'll have different opinions. Steve Clark also. Well, you've got you've got Kevin Nisbet as well. He's mm. scored 18 goals this season. So yep. he's had a brilliant season as well. But I, do, I certainly think David Turnbull has to be in, yeah. you know, on the back of winning young Scottish player of the year yeah. this season. He's had a remarkable last six months of his Celtic uh, season for me. Mm. He's arguably been their best player, their more creative player from, from midfield. So I'd be surprised if David Turnbull is in. I wouldn't be so surprised if Lee Griffiths wasn't in, to be honest with you. But, you know, as I said, I think Steve might just give him that olive branch, might chuck him an olive yeah. branch and put him in. I don't know. Yeah, it might, but it might not, not be an olive branch. It might actually make perfect sense to have a natural-born goal scorer well, in your squad who can possibly come off the bench in the last 20 we, minutes when it's nil-nil. Yeah, and we don't, have, we don't have another striker like him. We don't have another striker who is instinctive. Like John says, yeah. you don't need to think about your movement in the box. You just the ball happens to find you in the box, and and when it does, you have the composure and the quality to score. We don't have another striker like it. You look at Lyndon Dykes, even Shea Adams. I know it's early stages for him, but they do a lot of their work outside the box. You know their their link up plays good. Lee Griffiths is a goal scorer. That's what he does. Um, yes, he's not going to be as sharp as as he could be, but I think because you've got the extra squad size as well, um, and it's not like he's taking because I you take Nisbet as well for me. Mm. Dykes, Adams. Uh, Nisbet and Lee Griffiths. Forrest can play at the top end of the pitch as well, James Yeah, well, Forrest. I mean, we were talking just before we came on here about James Forrest, John. You brought his name up and, and suddenly I get quite excited about that because it's almost like having a new player in the squad it because it's been a while since since he featured it's, for Scotland. Where, like in, in a 3-5-2, where do you put him in? Do you, put, do you play him at the right wing back? Yeah. Well, you know, I, you I, know I, I, I'm, I'm just... Yeah, I'm, no, I'm asking you the question because when I... When I if you play a wide player as wing back, it's a it's it's a completely different dynamic to yeah. playing a, a Stephen O'Donnell who's naturally a defender going forward. Because yeah. when you're a defender and you get to play wing back, you're really really excited about it because you get to run forward loads. <laughs> and you don't need to go as far back. But on the flip side, when you're yeah. a, a winger and you think I need to I need to run the full length of this pitch, it's a different dynamic. Yeah. And because he's had the injury problems, mm -hmm. you know I think he's mo more of an attacking player. But I think. Um, it is exciting that he's fit again, and it's exciting that he's he's back in contention. And I would I would definitely take him, James Forrest, but I don't know where he'd fit into that. Yeah, I mean, I think from a very non-tactical point of view, which is my point of view, I probably <laughs> I just want him in the team. You know, I, I don't really, I almost don't care where he is as long as he's in the team. But I take your point against top quality opposition, James Forrest at right wing back. You know, is that a gamble that Stevie Clark will take, John? Well, he, he, he's he's played a three at the back, hasn't he, Steve Clark? Mm -hmm. And he, they've had to change to a four at, at times. But James Forrest, what I like about James Forrest is he loves to go around the outside, yeah. beat the defender, almost get to the byline. He's like an old-fashioned sort of winger. And you mentioned the word there, league. he's explosive. Mm. When James, he's almost like, he's like a Ferrari at times. He won you know one to 70 in like four three seconds his roof is gone do you know what I mean mm. and he gets to the byline and he can cross he can dink them balls is that your Ferrari in the car park I can see out the window no 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 no. my little sister I bought my little sister one last week she's gone <laughs> but uh, he can almost like flight it up 
and he can also drill it across. Yeah. I think he's improved that side of his game. When you, when he first came into the Celtic team, I, Celtic team, I just thought his, his end ball, his final ball, wasn't you know um, particularly that great in terms of his amount of times that he got in that dangerous position. But what he has improved is his final ball. You know, his, his attempts on goal, his goal scoring, and of course his goal making as well he's fantastic you know his assists are right yeah. up there every season and it's about probably about who you put in and around him in the team mm. as well maybe if you do play him at right wing back you know who have you got at right centre back, right of a back three potentially who you know who yeah. have you got cover for yeah, James I think Forrest if, if you if, in my opinion obviously my um, not very uh, dense opinion in, in terms of depth of knowledge and, and management because I haven't done it in coaching but I think if you play if you play um, James Forrest at right wing back, you would almost play Stephen O'Donnell at right side centre half because he's he doesn't mind coming out into that wide area. You know, centre halves by and large don't want to come out wide and be exposed mm. to players like James Forrest who yeah. are naturally quite explosive. So I think if you if you're to play him, you know, you could change the game and and you know we could start with Stephen O'Donnell for example at right wing back and then the game dictates that we need a goal. So you put James Forrest on, you drop him one back. That's still got a lot of energy down that side, and you would take off a centre half. You know, so you, there are ways to fit him in the team. It just depends on what the game dictates. Depends on whether you're you're having to go for it and you need a goal, or mm -hmm. depends whether you need to sit in. Um, you know, you could also play at the point of the three in midfield. He could play off one of the yeah. main strikers. McTominay can play centre back. He mm. can also play in front. Um, again, you'd think would be a starter. Yeah, Kieratini, left side centre half. Robertson, left wing back. Yeah, because Robertson wouldn't be able to play left side centred off he's, he's talented enough yeah. but the way that he's played all season there like that wing back position for Liverpool but they on, do, on they, left back yeah. and he just he not, just almost plays on the half wing and he's like a winger isn't he and, and but they can't swap around those two can't they, they yeah. they've shown that in recent well, games I think um, yeah I mean it's all, it's a, the, the, the kind of dilemma that Steve Clark has you know who do you play um, in my opinion is if you're playing four at the back you should play one of them and one of them has to sit out you know that's football it happens all the time yes they're two of our better players but so but playing this 3-5-2 does allow you to play both of them in and it allows it allows Tierney to almost to come from a bit deeper because I don't think with all respect I mean Kieran Tierney's been excellent this season but he's more of a he's more of a left back and Robertson's more of a wing back. Yeah. So I think that setup works well for Tierney because his timing of his runs and the power can, can is much play is, at is left better. Full back with Robertson ahead of him. I think he could. I yeah. think he could and I think it's it's a, diff, a slightly different dynamic for Robertson in terms of you then play a lot of the game with your you know your back to goal which is not natural for a, a wing yeah. back or a, a full back but he's an intelligent enough player he's a good enough player mm. that he can develop his game to so you could even rotate it to go four at the back and four midfield with the two of them playing Richard Foster John Hartson Rob McLean talking football till seven The Go Radio Football Show Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five Rob McLean Richard Foster John Hartson uh, for the final little chunk of the Tuesday edition of the Go Radio Football Show it's cap final week at St Johnston uh, against Hibs um, last week we were talking about uh, we were disappointed about the fact that it was going to be only 600 at hand and now it's uh, behind closed doors uh, which is a real uh, disappointment in terms of the showpiece which brings the Scottish football season to an end but uh, well it could be a wonderful day for either Hibs or St Johnston at the weekend on the back of the final weekend of the league season the Premiership season with Rangers rounding things off with a 4-0 win against Aberdeen and uh, taking delivery of the Premiership 
Trophy, um, Celtic into Europe, Aberdeen Hibs, St Johnston as well, relegation for Hamilton, uh, that were already relegated by the time they lost 2-0 on Sunday to Kilmarnock. And it is Tommy Wright's team who are in the playoffs. We heard earlier from James McPeak on the show, the Dundee gaffer looking ahead to Thursday night and the chance to play Killy for a place in the Premiership next season. Um, we can't really get through two hours of football chat without talking non-football uh, before we have finished those Horrendous uh, scenes at the weekend uh, on the back of uh, Rangers landing the title um, and all the innocents uh, caught up in the scenes that were absolutely horrific and all sorts of inquiries underway, all sorts of uh, reasons being given. Um, and we were just saying um, off air before we came back on air there, Richard, that the last thing... Uh, we were uh, watching those scenes uh, on Saturday. Thankfully, from afar, was surprised. Yeah, and that's that's one of the the more disappointing aspects of the whole thing that the inevitability of it. That you know, it's I don't understand why fans. You know, I I said this last night, but you know they shouldn't be gathering in large groups. We know that because of the pandemic and the situation. But had they done that, and had they celebrated their their team, you know, and and, and rightly celebrated their team because their, their team have been excellent and the, um, this season deserved winners and they celebrated that for a couple of hours in George Square they never kind of created a mess they never destroyed anything they never fought each other they never caused trouble and with that, that real I mean that there's always a real kind of sinister element with it you know sometimes when, when football fans gather like that and um, and if, like you said, the innocent guy, people who were in and around George Square at the time, they must have just, you know, that they must have just fled because it would have been a horrible environment to be in. But had they had they not created that and had they just celebrated and been happy, which they should be, then yes, you would say right. Well, they shouldn't have gathered, but fair play because their team have won the league. Okay, we can get over the fact that they've gathered. But the scenes that then transpired were, were you called them horrific, and it sums it up perfectly. You know, fighting with each other, throwing bottles, stamping on people's heads injuring police officers the riot police have to be called it's just it just throws everything into a really really bad light like the fans and rangers should be celebrating the the, the win in the league but instead we're talking about this because we have to talk about it because it's it's an awful situation and you know you hope that the police catch you know a, a large number of those involved and in, in they, they serve kind of time in jail because you know they behaved worse than animals some of them the, those images too uh, are winging their way around the world, aren't they? The, the initially the images of Rangers celebrating an amazing uh, trophy win, twenty five points clear at the end, and getting the title back, but preceded, unfortunately, and hugely overshadowed yeah. on Saturday by by those horrific scenes in Glasgow. Yeah. And, and and when everybody sees as a look at these scenes, you know the phones are out and. You know, they're put on social media and, and some of the scenes that we saw, you know, um, just fighting amongst each other, glasses flying, throwing bottles at the police when they were trying to protect themselves with the, with the plastic hard glass. Shields, know, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then it's the, it's the arrogance of, um, well, no, no, it wasn't us. No, no, that we didn't do that. And, and it's like the, uh, and then, and then, Rangers uh, Football Club then, they come out and they say, well, it was a small element or it was a minority. There was thousands, there was thousands causing problems and trouble 
went there specifically to cause trouble, to get drunk, um, cause fights, cause absolutely anarchy. And it would be nice then if the people at Rangers, the people in charge, come out and said, look, our players were wrong um, to do what they did, to, to, to not self-isolate. All right, they're having a party. I'm all for, but nobody partied harder than me, by the way. Mm. But then you don't have to go out to control majorly. It would be nice if Rangers came out and said, you know what, our fans, they were totally out of order. They behaved inappropriately. They did this, they did that. What about the, the Scotland uh, ambulance service? Yeah. What about the clean-up? Yeah. It would be nice if they said, look, thank you for the clean-up. We caused absolutely, you know, loads and loads of mess. There's glass everywhere. There's blood on the floor. Somebody has to sweep that up the next day. Yeah, and very somebody, impressively, between Saturday night up, and Sunday morning, George Queer was back to yeah. back to the way it was. And somebody which has is... to rob, pick up the broken glass. So they're yeah. putting their own lives at risk. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's just the... Um, Selfishness as well. It's it's just the fact that they they're always in denial. They won't, you know. It, it's not our fans. Other fans do it as well. No, yeah. this happened at the end of March. Yeah, this and it, happened again, and this is when Rangers won. Yeah, and it's when you hear Imagine that, that they lose. It's when you hear that the police are deploying anti-terrorist vehicles and and systems to try to fight the the, the trouble. You realise the scale of it. it it's, it's hugely... I mean, it, it's lots of things, but it, but it's also really embarrassing for Glasgow, embarrassing for Scotland, embarrassing for, for Scottish football as well. Yeah, it's just... I mean, Glasgow is... It's a brilliant city. So see when the sun is out and it's a nice day and you're sitting in a beer garden in the middle of Glasgow and, and there's a good atmosphere, it's excellent. And like I say, had that been the case, then yes, again, you know, with, without the pandemic um, sanctions... I know they were broken, but if you look at the this the Friday night, the the along the, the Clyde the, the lights that was spectacular to mm. watch. Even when you seen them crossing Squinty Bridge, yes, I know there were a lot of them on a small area, but it was impressive to see. Well, it was peaceful yeah, it was, at that stage. It was peaceful, and and that's you know that people can get on board with that, and people can go right, okay, I can understand why you've done that because you're celebrating, you're mm. happy. But I don't understand how you can go from such elation of what your team winning the league to. I'm going to stamp on my fellow Rangers fan's head because he's lying on the ground. I don't, I don't know what transpires for that to, for that change, and that is horrible to see. It's disgusting to see, and and if it can like, can you imagine you were anyone else apart from Rangers? Even even the Rangers fans who went there to have a good time. Well, Richard, how did these, how can you imagine these... how they would feel seeing that kind of violence yeah. erupt around? But how do you feel when you wake up in the morning and you've you've done that? You've thrown, the problem a, is, you've John, thrown a glass bottle at, at a policeman, or you've the you know, problem how, is they, don't, they probably don't care. That's probably part of the, the issue. Like, Those, these guys don't care. That you look done back that. at the following morning, you go, what did they do last night? Was it out of control? You, you can't explain it. It's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, on the back. Um, uh, we, we're hearing uh, this afternoon that uh, Justice Secretary Hamza Youssef is saying to Rangers uh, to take strong action against those fans who broke the law uh, in Glasgow on a Saturday. 28 arrests made. Thousands of supporters on the streets, of course. Uh, Rangers uh, said yesterday that a small minority had besmirched uh, the name of the club. Hamza Youssef saying today, I'm disappointed on many levels, the selfishness of COVID breaches, but perhaps uh, more so with the violence and vandalism uh, we saw on George Square and the anti-Catholic bigotry we saw on display. Horrible uh, incidents, um, sad to see. 
embarrassing to see. But let's end the show. Um, we'll attempt to put a smile back on our face before we go uh, because we're talking Scotland squad uh, tomorrow from Stevie Clark. And, and that is exciting to see who's going to be in there. <laughs> it's exciting and I don't want to dampen your smile, but you know, what are the fans going to be like if Scotland won a game? But anyway, <laughs> back to the positive. No, it is. It's it's what is it? Twenty three years since yeah. they've been at a tournament. It's it's great for the it's great for the the country. It's great for the uh, the players. Um, you know, they kind of these players could make history. Um, and it's just it's it's a it's a good thing to look forward to in the close season. Um, and hopefully, it's a, it's a positive experience for all. David Turnbull in the squad. We 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 skirted around that earlier on. We we have mentioned him in the course of the show. Um, he wasn't in the squad last time around. That's the worry. But surely David Turnbull uh, makes the squad, John, this time. I think so. Um, but listen, it's Steve Clark's uh, prerogative. You know, he, he's the man in charge. He, he you know the buck stops him in terms of results. But the Czech Republic, Croatia, and England at Wembley. Three fantastic games for the for the Scottish fans to get excited about. The easy one in the middle at <laughs> Wembley. That one, yes. that one takes care of itself. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a great game, isn't it? Uh, I can remember a few years ago you beat England there, Don Hutchinson yep. with the header. I remember it well. Yeah, yeah you I'm... lost two goals. Scores you scored them both at that's Hamden, right. and then yeah. was it was it um, Neil McCann cross? It was for Don Hutchison's header, yeah, it was yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah, it was indeed. Happy memories of, of Scotland uh, winning at Wembley. Let's hope that can happen again in the course of the European Championship finals. Let's just celebrate the fact we're there mm -hmm. and uh, we will find out uh, tomorrow who is in that squad. Paul Cooney back uh, tomorrow. Uh, Barry Ferguson and Marvin Bartley are here as well. And uh, one of the many things they will be talking about in the course of the show is that Scotland squad. Tomorrow, live at five. The Go Radio Football Show. Download the Go Radio app to listen live weeknights from five. I'm joined now by Gary from OPC Energy. Gary, what a job you did out there today. Oh, it was, it was unbelievable. You saw the customers' faces when that boiler went in. It was a really special moment. And what about the overall performance? Unreal. You, you could really feel the heat out there. I'm delighted with the result and we move on to the next one. Thanks, Gary. Come on! For more information on boiler upgrades, heat pumps and more, visit opc-ltd.uk. Get ahead of the game with OPC Energy.